Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Singing Psychologist from coming to you live from the historic Opera Hall in Lewiston, New York. Partly cloudy and like 70 degrees and a beautiful fall day in September. Yeah. We haven't uh, done a show in a long time. How long has it been, LP? At least a month. Man. Maybe even five weeks. You know what? Our intention was to do a show weekly. You know what? Our first intention was to do it daily. <laughs> but then that went to weekly. Now we're just going to do it whenever we, we want a slice of pizza and we're near the office. And so we come to it then. Whenever so, we're in the same state. Yeah. So here's what's kind of been happening. I remember last time I said I was going to share some cool news with you. So um, I have kind of relocated to Phoenix, Arizona. I'm, well, kind of. I'm going back and forth between here and Phoenix because there's still a lot of work to be done here and, and um, a lot of good things happening out in Arizona. So we'll be going back and forth. But I think we're going to try to record as much of these right here in the historic Lewiston Opera Hall as much as we can. So if you see us in here talking on the microphones and you're walking by at 736 Center Street, give us a wave, put a pie in the window, and we'll be thankful for that. So we're going to just dive in um, because there's so much to cover. We were, we're behind and there's so much to get after. So just as a review, uh, if you remember that our, our bodies are electrical, well, let, me, let, me, let me review even more than that. Hello, my name is Daryl Tonema. I'm a psychologist, and I do a lot of work in trauma and behavior and how it affects behavior and how it affects the brain and stuff like that. There you go. That's a big rewind. Now let's fast forward a little bit more. Do you remember how we talked about the electricity in the body and I had my toy right here? Right here? That's me. I'm making it go. It's lighting up. That's me doing that. And that it goes wherever we need it to go. Uh, just randomly, like right now, is making my hands move as I speak. I'm gesticulating. Um, I am moving my foot, but it's also that charge is making my heart beat. It's um, making my blood flow. It's making my lungs go. <laughs> and so it goes where it's needed. Um, but when there's stress and trauma, this big moment, this big event, that charge lights up a whole different part of the brain. And it looks like um, our heart's beating fast and we're uncomfortable and we're sweating, our pupils dilating. We look so uncomfortable in our own skin and we call that a trauma response or an anxiety attack. And often when I work with folks, they'll say, I, I just think I'm crazy because I can't figure out why it's happening. And I tell them, let's not worry about the why. Let's worry about the what and the where. Let's deal with the facts. The facts are your heart's pounding, you're uncomfortable, you're sweating. We, we know that and there are tools to address that. The why may be a conversation in the future, may not be a conversation in the future because research support that knowing the why doesn't necessarily change anything. Uh, a lot of the folks I work with, maybe they were abused and they were kids and things. They know what happened. They know why they're having their responses. It doesn't change the response though. So we may have that conversation in the future. We may not, uh, just depending what is what is best going to serve their needs and help them heal, not just deal. And if you remember, we were talking about healing and dealing previously. Dealing, if I can try to cope or deal with something, I'm basically trying to suppress it right now and maybe push it upriver 
then they'll catch up to it again in the future and they'll have another anxiety attack or another stress reaction. So we, we get into the habit of just pushing and pushing and pushing things up river and then trying to ignore it and trying to ignore it. And I have to tell you, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for my kids, my three chocolate kids sitting at home. I want them to feel strong and empowered. So whatever comes along during the day, they have a, robu- a robust, full toolbox that is not going to overwhelm, overwhelm them. That's what we want. Come on now. If you remember, if I pound my desk, it's because I'm on it. I'm, I'm down. So if you feel like pounding your desk every now and then, swing away. All right, I think we're kind of caught up now. So I have a lot to cover today. Whew. So let's just start with this whole trauma electrical thing that I'm talking about. So trauma then is this unfinished cycle of this charge. So it goes to the survival centers of the brain. It changes physiology. It changes the limbic system and the amygdala, which we're going to talk about in a little while. It changes the vagus nerve, even down to a cellular level. And if it's a big enough thing, it can change our genetic code. So I can tell my descendants to beware of this. And we'll get to that eventually. But I just want you to know this is bigger than just this moment. Because remember, the event is over. It's not occurring right now. If you're in a car accident, but you're having a stress response in a, in a Walmart parking lot, it's not occurring right now, but the brain is convinced that it's occurring right now, and I think it's doing you a favor. So that's, that's what that anxiety attack is, is the brain saying, you never finished it. We have stored this, and it's just taking laps around the system, and anytime something kind of seems kind of similar, I'll give you this survival response. You are so welcome. But we can't connect it to anything, so we feel crazy about it. We feel like we're, something's wrong, we're broken, or we're ruined. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. We are not broken, we are not ruined, we are not crazy. We're just built for survival. And all of us have a different tempo of that. We have a different threshold for that. And so what may affect you may not affect me, and what affects me may not affect you. There you go. Now let's dive in a little bit deeper, starting right now. Right now, right now. So this electrical charge then and gets stored in our nervous system and we don't use it up let's particularly if like it's if a car accident because we're not fighting or flighting if it's an abuse event we're not fighting or flighting if even if it's a dental procedure for a child they're not fighting or flighting so this charge gets all jacked up in them and it sits there waiting for us to use it up and every time it pops up it looks like anxiety it looks like stress it looks like depression my son Parks. When he was a little kid, I was working at, at uh, OU in Oklahoma, and he was a little monkey. And when he was like two years old, he would, he would uh, jump from the puffy chair. <laughs> I know that's a different word, but I'm kind of resy. Puffy chair, what's it called, LP? I'll call it a. Not a sedan, that's um, a car. Sedan. I don't know what um, it is. Are you from the same as I am? There's this puffy chair. <laughs> and he used to jump from the puffy chair to the puffy footstool. <laughs> to the puffy footstool. And, and he would jump and then he'd push it out further and he'd jump and then he'd jump and then he'd jump and then he'd jump. And, he'd jump and, he'd jump and that was just his thing. That's what that little monkey did at two years old. By the way, the only thing that came to mind was beanbag chair. No, this wasn't in the 70s. That sounds fancy to me. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a beanbag chair. I don't, know, I don't know what it's called. We'll Google it after the show. And he would jump, 
and then not, and then I came home one day and he hadn't he was crying when I walked in the door. And I asked Carmen, I said, what happened? What happened to Parks? And she said, I, he didn't make it. He, he, one was too far. And she said, I think he hurt his wrist. And I said, huh. So I, I kind of go up to him and I, no, he said, she said, I think it's hurt his shoulder. So I, I kind of touched his shoulder. And he had no response. And I worked his way down to his wrist and he kind of pulled away, ah, like that. And so we said, well, it must be his wrist. So we took him there to the, the hospital there, Norman Regional Hospital. And uh, they said he needed a, a cast. And so the doctor said, Dad, will you hold his arm down so we can do this? And I said, okay. And they hold his arm down, and he just starts freaking out. Two-year-old kid freaking out, screaming, looking at me with that crazy cow eye. He's sweating. He's like crying. And then they get the cast on, and he just collapses in my arms. And we go home, and a couple months, a couple few months later, we ended up here in New York. And I had to take him up to this clinic up here at St. Mary's. The well child for a well child exam. He had to get a shot, and the doctor said, "Will you hold his arm down, please, Dad?" And I was, and so I said, "Okay," again, and I held his arm down, and dude freaked out. He freaked out. He didn't want to get the shot, and it was like it took me and the doctor and two nurses to give him a shot. I was like, "Just let him have the mumps. I don't care." And he. But what happened was his stress part of his brain, his amygdala says, this is really similar and I have this juice stored in me just in case something like this happens again. And it did happen again. And so he had the same physiological response. With me there? Okay. So a couple months later, I had to go back to that clinic with him. I don't even know why. Hmm. So I went up there. And just driving on the road. So then his amygdala says, this road goes to not good places. And he starts screaming, no, I don't want to go. 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 He starts freaking out. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. We get in the parking lot and he's full Hulk mode. I don't want to go. He's just screaming it. And I get out of the car and he's still in there. And I open his door. And he's like, like that. And I said, you want to run? He's like, and he jumps out of the truck. And St. Mary's has this long parking lot from where the kids thing is all the way to this other big road over here. And so me and my two-year-old son were just sprinting fast as we could across this parking lot. And then he started to slow down mercifully. And I'm like, <laughs> you okay? He said, okay, I can go, Dad. And so he turned around. He said, and then he said, I don't want to go. And so I said, let's go. And we take off running again about four or five times. And by the last one, I was like, <laughs> Let's just go to the cardiac lab. And we go in. They said, I can go, Dad. So we go in. And they had to give him a shot. I'm like, dude. Dad, will you hold his arm down? I'm like, Here we go. I'm going to hulk out. I start stretching out. And nothing. Nothing. He got a shot. Got a sucker. Got a sticker. And then we went home. And he hasn't had trouble with shots since then. So what happened? Good question. You're asking wonderful questions. He used that charge for what it was originally intended for. In any stressful moment, we, we have a fight or flight response. We have options. Fight or flight, fight or flight, fight or flight. But when you don't use that, here comes freeze. Or when we're prevented from using it, like in a car accident or an abuse event. And trauma is in the freeze. It's in the inability 
to use that charge for what it was intended for. And then the body shifts, the autonomic system says, well, let me just hang on to this in case you need it in the future. That's what your anxiety attack is. A lot of folks I know are having their first cases of anxiety or depression or anxiety attacks during this season of COVID. Me being daddy bear, I knew what it was in Parks. And I knew that originally he wanted to run away or fight us off, but I prevented him from doing both of those. But so once we had the opportunity to run, we got rid of that charge. Now, you're going to find out over our duration together that, that you may not know the why, but we can still create stress-hardy autonomic systems. We can still trauma-proof ourselves. We can, we can shore up our vagus nerve. We can increase vagal tone. We can take some of that charge off the limbic system just by little things that we're doing daily that, that we're going to talk about. We're going to keep moving forward in this. So Schachter's work, and there was a bunch of researchers, but this is the, the one I always like to cite is Schachter's, where it found that we get information from the body first, then it goes north to the brain, and then we label it. We get information from the body first, it goes through the baroreceptors in the neck to kind of check our blood pressure, the thalamus, and then it goes to the logic center of the brain or the, or the stress center of the brain. And if we had of chronic stresses in our life, logic kind of gets taken off the table, so we get this loop of chronic stresses. So the first thing we want to do in our leaning into this, not just dealing, but healing, to teach the body and the brain new responses, the first thing is increasing our somatic literacy somatic literacy you probably heard the phrase psychosomatic and all you got stuck on was psycho the doctor said i was crazy but let's take the psycho away just somatic so somatic is just information from the body that the brain interprets heart beating fast tight tense tingly breathing shallow that goes up and the brain says oh we're at a ou football game and we're up 57 to 0 we just scored on Texas. No offense to any Texas listeners. Actually, a little bit of offense. Actually, you know what? I don't think we have any Texas listeners. So it's 57 to 0, but we're excited. So our brain looks around and labels and said, well, this is excitement. But if we have chronic stresses, we have that same somatic response, heart beating fast, maybe like that. But it gets labeled anger or fear or anxiety or stress because it doesn't have the chance to go to logic. It just sticks in the stress part of the brain. That's why so many behavioral problems in schools happen in gym class. Because kids, maybe they had some abuse and things at home. When their heart starts beating fast and they're hot and sweaty, that's the same way it felt when that happened at home. So it doesn't label it as joy or excitement in gym class. It labels it as anger or fear. So trauma is the cycle of this, repeating and repeating in our bodies. What we want to do is interrupt this charge and start moving forward. Come on. Come on. So let's get to the heart of this, all this stuff. And what, what I have learned and, and seen and practiced over the last 15, 20 years uh, is if we could have thought our way out of it, we would have by now. I'm going to say that again. It sounds smart. If we could have thought our way out of it, we would have by now. Because you guys are smart folks. Only smart people listen to this show. <laughs> so if you're, you've thought your way through it, but you're still having the anxiety attacks, and you're thinking, why, why, why can't I figure this out? And that's just the wrong tool. 
So the tool isn't matching the event. And so you, you, you're just driving yourself crazy thinking, I can't figure this out. What's wrong with me? I must be broken. I can't figure this out. Has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with intellect, intelligence, nothing. Has nothing to do with that because it's located in a totally different part of the brain. Miles and miles and miles away from where we would think things through. That charge starts crackling. So let's talk about that just a little bit. So I got a brain right here on my desk. Do I? I had one, not a human one. Oh, it is a human brain. It's just a fake one. Oh, here it is here. And so at the, at the very front of the brain, if you feel right where your unibrow is, right here, it's, uh, yeah, that's your prefrontal cortex. And let me pause for a second. There are like are a trillion, trillion connections in the brain. And we know the tip of the top of the iceberg. So what I'm going to say in the next 15 minutes or so is just going to be broad strokes, but I want it. I want you to put it through a filter saying, okay, so this isn't just one small thing, me not be able to think my way out of it. It's, it's different than that. It's, it may not even be more complicated. It's just different than that. And I want us to understand that difference because that's very empowering because then we're done thinking, I must be broken. We just have to have the tools start affecting those parts of the brain we're going to talk about. Okay, so right beneath your unibrow is the prefrontal cortex, and that is logic and cause and effect and thinking things through like the clothes you're wearing right now LP you actually thought about those clothes you're wearing right now and I know it's shocking but you put some forethought (laughs) into that nobody would believe it but something happened this morning you said I think I'm going to wear this yellow shirt with brown Things on it, and I'm gonna rock it in Lewiston today. You've actually thought about that, which I say, God bless it. Good for you. Okay. So that's there. Right underneath the eye is kind of the empathy center of the brain. If you go over to the other side, the the, the right in the forehead, the, your, where your corner of your forehead is up here, is where you have speech formation, like that, like that, and. Along the side, around your temple over here on your left side is language. Language, understanding, comprehension, things like that. And let's pause there for a second. And just incidentally, you've heard of right, right brain and left brain. Um, right brain being, uh, here's how I remembered it when I was taking my comps. Right brain was right on, man. So I'm sitting here with all these doctor people and I'm sitting here, right on, man. And that's how I remembered that the right brain was colors and sounds and images and things like that. That's because it was a party over there on that side of the brain. And the left side of the brain, I'm sitting there taking my comps saying, the left side left out the fun. And the left side was all about order and rules. And But here's what's really interesting, is when we're in the throes of an anxiety attack, the right brain is lit up like a Christmas tree because it's all images and sensation and feeling in this overwhelmed thing, and it's lacking any kind of substance or order, which occurs on the left side of the brain. Isn't that fascinating? Just know that just that little thing there is that your brain says, hey, I'm wired for something different right now, and it's survival. We try to create order out of the chaos, and that part of our brain really isn't firing in that moment. Let's keep going. So right here in the center of the brain is... The limbic system. The limbic system, uh, broadly, emotional responses, joy, sadness, happiness, anger. That's the limbic system. Um, And right here, if you feel behind your ears, 
where it goes up right there, unless you got cradle board head. If you got cradle board head, it just, it just goes straight up. Otherwise, there's a, it goes up right there, rounded. And it's about the size of this bottle top here is the amygdala. And the amygdala, one of his primary jobs is remembering stress and traumas, taking snapshots of them. Next is the hippocampus, which is kind of in the center and shaped like a seahorse. And its main job, one of its main jobs, is long-term memory storage. Um, but but let's, let's pause on that for a second because th- a, an event has to be concluded for it to qualify for memory. Like right now, we're, we're talking. We're sitting here talking. I got my two brothers here in the studio here in Lewiston, and we're sitting here in the middle of this happening right now. So it doesn't even qualify for memory because it is occurring. But the minute we stop, it then qualifies for memory. But it may not get into long-term memory until tonight when we're sleeping. And other information is going to happen between now and tonight. It's called retro, retroactive interference. Things are going to happen now between now and tonight and may mess up the memory of this. And you're going to say, what did Daryl talk about today? And you're going to say, cradle, cradle boards, I think. So it's going to, that's how it's going to behave. So not until we get a good rest is this going to get into long-term memory storage. That's how the... The, the hippocampus works. But mem- remember that it has to be done for it to qualify for memory. Put that in your pocket because we're going to need that later. So let's take another lap around the brain. So in our second lap around the brain, we'll, let's, let's introduce trauma or a chronic stress like COVID because when things change, things change. The, the brain is perpetually trying to say, okay, well, this is a fluid situation. We have some things that are stable in us, but we, we got we to make sure we're surviving on a daily basis. On, and so it's going to adjust as, as time goes. But let's introduce a, a, trauma, a traumatic event, a car accident or a natural disaster or an animal attack or some sort of abuse event. Things change because the, the brain needs to survive. Now let's pause there for a second. There are several things that that contribute to the this stress response or were, were, did you have a hardy system previously or or were you raised in chaos? Was there protection and safety after the event? What age or stage of life were you because a child's brain is so much more malleable than the adult brain. It it's it, it can absorb be affected a lot more by trauma because it's still trying to figure out how the world works. Um, was was there safety involved afterward? Did, did you feel protected afterward? Those kind of things. So there's a, there, there's a lot of factors that go into will this become traumatic because people will say, well, that would affect everybody the same way. But there's so many, even genetic factors that go into would it become a, a traumatic event for the person. So Let's just say the person is starting to show responses. Um, the, the prefrontal, the logic part of our brain, this is fMRI studies, Peter Levine's work and Siegel's work. Uh, there's there's l- just less function in my logic, in my empathy, in my language. There's, there's just less firing there. And just so you know, Probably 95 to 99% of the, the kids that, I, that are referred to me who, who 
They say, can you diagnose this child with ADHD or can you do an assessment? 95 to 99% were delayed in speech because that's a prefrontal thing. That, that, that's a frontal thing. That's language and temporal. So it's almost like charges getting taken away from there for the purposes of survival. And, but look at the things that we talk to, we counsel to. Logic, language, cause and effect, empathy, and all these things are gone. That's why that tool isn't matching the event. And that's where I had to change my work because my, my tools weren't matching what is going on with the traumatized patient in the traumatized brain. The limbic system swells, um, more anger, um, more, more, a, lot of, a lot of times what's said about these folks is they get mad big and they get mad fast. And people say things like, I don't know why they got that mad about that. So that's the limbic system. The amygdala swells. Remember the amygdala's job is to remember stressors and traumas. So it's taking snapshots of this event, of this traumatic thing, for, for purposes of storing it away. Millions and millions of snapshots, and then compares it to the environment on an ongoing basis. And then if one of the snapshots matches something in the present environment, here's a big phrase for us to know. It takes the body back to the same sensations as when the original trauma occurred. It doesn't happen in logic. Remember, logic's gone. It happens in survival. So the body lights up, and we're sitting here thinking, why, 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 why? Don't do that. Just know that it's happening, and here are my tools for this. The hippocampus doesn't do the third stamp, so something is on repeat. It's never finished. And so it keeps going over and over and over again. And there are other parts of the brain that are involved, the precuneus and the paraaqueductal gray, which kind of keeps the body on groundhog day mode. Where we're re-experiencing, not so much remembering, but re-experiencing physiologically the same thing over and over and over again. And its goal, really, honestly, it tries to, it's trying to keep us alive. It's trying to keep us protected. But it's so uncomfortable that it starts to limit us and starts to shrink us. And then once, once it starts to do that, once it gets so uncomfortable, we start using external tools for this internal event. How can I make this inside of me start feeling better? And so we, we turn to drinking and smoking and hitting and using and eating. It's the root of addiction because we have, maybe we haven't developed internal tools for internal events. So we, we rely on external tools for internal events. So as I said earlier, the foundation for this is going to be increasing our somatic literacy. What is it? Where is it? What is it doing? And what happens next? Because trauma doesn't know a next. Trauma just knows this moment, this present moment. It doesn't know that this isn't the final stage, but it wants us to think that that's what it is. And you know friends who have anxiety attacks that maybe they've had the anxiety attack for two minutes, but if in their own skin it feels like it's been 10 years and it's always going to be this way because that's how they're physiologically functioning right now. So increasing somatic literacy, here's the tool that we're going to start with just today, is just get to know what your, the information your body gives you, and don't even label it yet. It's just information until we call it anxiety, until we call it fear, until we call it frustration, until we call it anger. It's just information. My heart's beating fast, I'm hot, I'm tingling, I'm tight and tense. Let me breathe that down. When I work with folks, that's kind of the first thing we do is I'll say, why don't you just get to know your body a little bit? 
instead of judging it so harshly, saying, I can't handle the fear, the anger, the, the frustration, the anxiety, why don't you just say, huh, it's picking up on something and it's giving me this to survive right now. Let me just hang with it and get to know a little bit better. Peter Levine's work is excellent at this. His book, uh, Trauma Through a Child's Eyes, or um, Waking the Tiger, excellent at, at showing us how to do these things. And do it in, in safety. Do it with a partner. Now, if I'm describing you, I really recommend that you find someone to talk to. That this is like, I get to just borrow you for a little bit, and this is basically educational. So to, to do the deep therapy, to do the work, find somebody that you, that you connect with who's trained and is a professional that you can talk to and really start moving the needle for yourself. Now we're going to talk more about this and more about this and more about this. And I just want, I want you to, to have all this information. Uh, I kind of consider myself the, just a bridge. I'll, I'll, I'll spend the time reading the research and the books and then I'll just tell you about it on this. So there you go. Um, I think that's a good jumping off point. Up next is going to be the uh, music section of the show. And I'm so excited if you hear these songs today. So there you go. That is the psychology part of the singing psychologist. So that only leaves the singing part of the singing psychologist. Uh, and what's really cool about this part is I get to introduce you to, to the friends I get to play with that I know, that I've known over the years. And I've played, um, I've played some people that I've played with in bands already. Uh, Steve Turner, uh, Robert Parker, Ernie Palmer, uh, and the next one is, is is Evan Anstey. And Evan, I met several years ago, and he is an amazing mandolin player. People always come up to him after the shows and, shows and talk about how great his mandolin playing is, as well as his violin playing. And he's also a songwriter, and he has several different projects going on, like probably maybe four or five different projects going on, as well as his his own solo stuff. So I wanted to introduce you to, to some of his music. This song is called Here and There from his album We Will Be at Peace.
hear the group uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket. Uh, his, the tone of his voice sounds so much like the lead singer for Toad. I just, I just love it. Now, um, now the reason you all came. Some of my music. <laughs> you know I'm just kidding. Um, many, many years ago, oh man, when we were living on Standing Rock Res in North Dakota, they used to have um, dances at the at this old school gym uh, on Friday nights. And people would only come if the band Iron Eagle was playing. You could have Van Halen show up and there would be like seven people there. But they say Iron Eagle's playing and the place will be packed because they want to hear them play Come and Get Your Love. So I was this insecure little seventh, eighth grader, a little chubby kid with Captain Kangaroo hairdo. And um, my buddy Oinky and I used to go to the gym and sit there and watch everybody dance um, because there's no way I was going to ask somebody to dance and there's probably no way they would have danced with me if I did and so I was watching all these people dance and uh, years later as an adult um, 
I kind of was flashing back to that and I thought, I would like to make up a story about not so much a high school dance, but a community dance. And so I wrote this song called A Moment of Dance and I recorded it on my very, very, very first record called Can You Hear Me? And I don't know if I did it justice. I only knew three chords. And so for the record Red Dirt Remarks, I, I redid it and I thought this needs to be a country singer. So I asked my friend Steve Turner, who you need to look up on Instagram and iTunes and all that stuff, uh, to, to sing lead on it, and then the rest of us would sing harmonies on it. So here's my song called A Moment of Dance from the album Red Dirt Remarks. Across the dance floor I felt my heart beat When she walked in the door Wearing a dress She had pressed for the night I searched the room And danced in the light The three-piece band Played softly out of tune A cheating heart And talking to the moon Laughing and shyly sing along I tip the band to play a slow song Is my shirt tucked in and my hair just right? This will be my only dance tonight I caught a glance in the corner of her eye To ask for a dance I'm too afraid to try
A small local wedding and a dress of my maiden A house in the country where we sleep in the shade Laughter in the yard where our kids play Bedrooms with nightlights where grandchildren stay The sun was over, Ben says that's for a friend My dance with an angel has come to an end I thank her for starting a lifelong romance She said I'm sorry It was only a day of dance from the album Red Dirt Remarks. And that is it for the show this week. Can you believe that? A um, couple things. If you want to get a hold of us, we have, do you remember the how they get a hold of us, LP? Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. The um, email is singingpsychologist at gmail.com and Facebook is the singing psychologist, all one word, and Twitter Instagram is the singing psychologist, all one word. So we, uh, if you want to get a hold of us, if you have a question, and if we read your, if we answer your question on air, I still have stickers right here in my desk. I got stickers. Uh, we'll send you a sticker if you uh, shoot us an email and we ask you a question on air. We also, we have singing psychologist swag now. I think we have, I'm wearing a singing psychologist hat right now. Um, maybe I have LP post the hat on uh, places I'll be putting um, the hat. Well, we don't have any hats for sale yet, but if there's interest in it, we'll think about it. And, but we have shirts um, for sale, and I'll put those on the website, and I'll put the link on the um, Facebook and Instagram as well. And the website, Tonema.com, did we say that? Tonema.com is the website. There you go. Thank you, my friends, for sitting in and paying attention. Let's take care of each other. 